Thank you, Brother Keith, and I want to build on that, the voice of truth today, and talk to all of you, every student in this place, every parent, graduates, your parents and family members, about the voice that you listen to, the voice that will direct your path. The voice that will make decisions for you many times that you never thought about ever making for yourself. I'm saying to you up front, you need to be careful who you listen to. This is not a pat you on the back message for the graduates, though I pat you on the back. This is not a Yego get them message for the graduates, even though Yego get them, thank you what you've done in the past and I look forward to what you're going to do in the future I know God has great plans for you he has a desire for you to walk with him to bring glory to his name and he has a desire to bless you to do more than meet your need but to bless you and 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 bring you into great things in the future that's God's plan for all of his children is that he brings us into wonderful things in a walk with him but I want to warn you that that doesn't happen many, many times. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us that most folks make the wrong choices. Most folks go the wrong way. But I want to give you something that will help you make the right choices and go the right way in all of your life. If you are sitting with your children, I want you to pay attention, parents and grandparents, if you're at home watching, I want you to pay attention this morning. For I believe God has a word for you. As he spoke to my heart about bringing this message today, it's a message that he gave me several years ago. Many of you have heard this message before, sort of. Today has a new twist to it, a different application. But it's a message that God has impressed on my heart for over two weeks now that this is what I was supposed to preach this very morning I learned a long time ago not to argue with God he always wins it may not be the way that we want the win to be but he always will have his will accomplished he has a plan he has a plan for this service he has a plan for every life here he has a word for every one of us and I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about Amnon had a friend. Second Samuel chapter 13. It says that Absalom, Absalom, a son of David, had a lovely sister. Her name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, had a desire for an improper relationship with his own half-sister. He was so upset about all of this, he knew it was wrong. Matter of fact, the scripture says that he knew that it's something he should never even think about, much less do. That he would have a physical relationship with his own half-sister. That's filthy. That's incest. That is unreal that anyone would have such a desire. 
But this is truth of the Word of God, and I think God reveals this truth to us to help us understand that there will be times when our flesh will want to be involved in things that we should never be involved in, and the opportunity will avail itself. If Satan has a plan to trip you up, if he has something he wants you to do that is against God's will for your life, he will make that available to you. He will make sure that you have the opportunity to do that which God would not have you to do and to do what he would have you to do and would ruin your life. Amnon had a problem. He lusted after his own half-sister. Her name was Tamar, we mentioned. He had a brother, Absalom, who was going to be rightfully the heir of the throne of their father, David. They were half-brothers. And Absalom was Tamar's full brother. She was his sister. In his lust for her, he refused to go on with her or out with her because he knew that it would be an embarrassment and it was wrong. It was simply improper. But the scripture says this, and it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. I've told you these things. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. That's a strange use of the word love. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was still a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard or difficult or impossible even for him to do anything to her. But the scripture says in verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. And Jonadab said to him, this was his friend, lie down in your bed. Pretend that you're sick and send a word to your father that you're sick. And when he comes to see you, you devise a plan to get your sister Tamar to come into your bedroom and to bring you something to eat. So that's what Amnon decided he would do. So word got to David that his son Amnon was just very sick in the bed and he went to his house to visit him and he said, son, what can I do for you? He said, if you would just let my sister come and cook me some cake to, cakes to eat and bring them and serve them to me here in my room, that would be helpful and I'll feel better. Well, she was ordered to do so. And when she got there to feed him, he grabbed her hand and told her to get in the bed with him. And she said, no, that's not something that ought to happen and she pulled away, but he grabbed on her tighter, and he actually raped his half-sister. And all of her shame, she, she was staying in his house not knowing what to do, 
And that which he thought he could not live without became repulsive and it was awful to him and distasteful and his love for her and his desire for her turned into a bitterness and a hatred and he kicked her out of his house and had his servant deadbolt lock the door behind her and sent her out in the public, disgraced as she was, and she tore her garment and cut her, put her head over, hand over her head and in sackcloth and ashes she went out not knowing what to do and her brother Absalom saw her and said what in the world's happened to you and she told him what had happened he says come on to my house and you can live with me and I'll take care of you and that's what she did from then on she lived with her brother Absalom you see Amnon I can't even say it had a friend by himself, he would never have acted in such a way. And his thoughts were filthy, perverse, sinful. He knew it was wrong according to the word. He knew it was wrong. Verse 2 tells us it was hard for him to do anything because it was wrong. He would never have touched her in such a way. But Amnon had a friend. Whoa. I want you to consider what kept Amnon from doing such a thing. He was respected. He was a child, a son of the king. He was royalty. He was a prince. He was well favored throughout Israel. He had all the silver and the gold he could ever have wanted in all of his life. He was rich. But Amnon had a friend. Amnon was informed. He knew the law. He knew the Lord, the Word of God. His own father, King David, had penned these words in Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way, David writes, by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart, I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amnon had been taught these things, but Amnon had a friend. Amnon knew what was wrong or knew that it was wrong. He had never done anything like this. This is totally against what he had been taught. It was against his nature. He was not the type of person to do such perverted acts. His scripture-influenced conscience prevented him from ever sinning this way. But Amnon had a friend. Due to the influence of Amnon's friend, Amnon raped his own stepsister and brought shame upon himself, disgrace to his family, and on his sister, a shameful life. I want you to consider the consequences of his decision, the effect that it had on Tamar, his half-sister. Verse 20 tells us, So Tamar remained desolate in her brother's Absalom's house by herself, locked away. 
She never fell in love. She had never the opportunity to have a family and to enjoy the life that she dreamed of having. She had never had normal affections for a man after that. She was emotionally scarred for the rest of her life. Her life was ruined as far as she understood it and was concerned. This wasn't supposed to happen to me, she thought day in and day out. But Amnon had a friend. Think of the effect it had on Absalom, his brother. He was destined to ascend to the throne of his father, David. Absalom was a wise judge who served under his father already at this time. But Absalom burned with hatred, bitterness, dislike, absolute malice in his heart toward his brother Amnon. And so Absalom devised a plan to get revenge. He had a party. Asked the king, his daddy, if he could have all of his brothers to come to his party. Even invited his dad, David, and David said, no, no, I'm not going to go. He said, well, I want to ask all of my brothers, including Amnon. He says, why in the world do you want to ask Amnon? He says, I want it to be all of my brothers. I want him to come. And so he invited them all, and Amnon, you know, he was shocked to get the invitation, and he went to the party. But he told his friends, he says, now when Amnon has had more to drink than he should, in his drunken stupor, I want you to attack him and murder him. Never mind that you know that's wrong. I've commanded you to do it, and it's on me. And at the right moment, Absalom told his friends, now, and they killed Amnon and sent word back to their father that all of his sons had been murdered. And David is in remorse, pain, suffering. He is, he is beside himself in his horror. And then he gets word that only Amnon had been killed. Absalom was destined for better things, but now he's a rebel and on the run. Why? You got it. Because Amnon had a friend. Where are your friends? Who are your friends this morning? I want you to think about the friends that maybe you've chosen or even considering to choose. Maybe somebody has reached out to you. Maybe a group of folks have said, why don't you be our friend? Why don't you do what we're doing? Why don't you follow us? The influence of friends. The Word of God says in Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they be agreed? The obvious answer is no. The first part of Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that dwell or walks with wise men shall be wise. But the second part of that same verse says, But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I want you to leave the building for a moment.
come to me with me downtown. Let's walk on North Decatur for just a minute. We'll come across this man who doesn't seem to even realize he's in the world. He's just walking around, glazy-eyed, and in a stupor. And we stop him. We say, can we talk to you for just a minute? With a slur and a slowness, he responds, yeah. Have you always been a drug addict? Why, no. Why don't you tell us, how did you become a drug addict? Well, I was in high school. And I had this friend. Let's go from there over to an AA meeting this morning. We find folks that are struggling with alcoholism. Folks that are struggling because they can't do without drinking alcohol. And, and when they get started, they drink until they're in a drunken stupor. And then they do all kinds of manner of things and all kind of foolish things. And, and we ask one of them, can we talk to you for just a minute? And he says, sure, you can talk to me. How did you become an alcoholic? Well, it was when I was in junior high school. I had a friend whose daddy had a liquor cabinet. And I spent the night over there a bunch of times, and he'd always swipe one of his daddy's bottles and would drink. And you know what just got a hold of me? I just enjoyed doing that, and when I was on my own and had the opportunity and got old enough to buy it for myself, I kept buying it. And I got to the point I couldn't live without it. It had a hold on me. And my life got ruined because of that. I want you to go with me next to Jackson Hospital, the oncology ward. We walk by this bed and we see an oxygen tank hooked up and the patient's on oxygen. And we walk in and we want to visit him for just a minute and, and we say to, you, to him, what do you have? He says, oh, I have lung cancer. How did you get lung cancer? Well, I've been smoking for 63 years. Really? Why in the world did you ever start such a terrible habit that would bring you to the point and gasping for breath and hardly able to get a breath of air? He struggles and he tells us, when I was just a kid, I had this friend. He smoked. He gave me a cigarette and told me to try it and Every time I was around him, we would smoke, and I just got hooked on nicotine. And now it's cost me my health and ultimately my life. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future this morning. 
Amos says in 3.3, you can't walk together unless the two of you agree. If you do agree, then you'll be just like the person you walk with. If you do what they ask you to do and you join them in the activities that God would never have you to be involved in, you'll become the same person that you did not ever want to become. You'll be just like them. Show me your friends and I'll show you your spiritual condition. Show me your friends and I'll show you the habits you soon will have yourself, though you think I'll never do that. I'll never, I despise that activity. I'll never do it. Show me your friends and you'll soon be doing the same things they do. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The old adage is, birds of a feather flock together. That's not just made up, that's true. The same kind of bird flocks with others of the same kind of bird. You can drop one of your young people off, listen to me, Paris. You can drop one of your young people, one of your children off at a school dance, and they'll go right to their own kind that you may not even realize. They can come to a youth function, but they'll be looking for someone that thinks like they do and wants to act like they want to act. If they're troublemakers, they will flock to the troublemakers. If they're good, solid Christians, they will flock to young people who are serving God and reading their Bible and praying and seeking to follow him. I've had parents say to me, I don't know what's wrong with my kid. I don't know what's wrong with her. I can tell you exactly what's wrong with her. She's hanging out with a bunch of rotten individuals. People with rotten attitudes and with terrible Terrible hobbies and, and activities. Her parents do their best to make sure she makes good choices. They keep her fed. I hope you do. They try to give her good clothes, a good home to live in. They don't feel like they have a right to choose their children's friends. There is a Greek word that's very important to that statement. Baloney! You have a right to choose your children's friends. You have a right to say, no, honey, he's not good for you. No, son, you don't need to be with that young man. He has some bad habits. You have the right, the authority, and you have the charge of the Word of God to teach your children to walk as God would have them to walk. Yes, you do have the right. You can ask any of our three children, 
If someone came around that we knew that was not living like they ought to live and had attitudes that stunk to high heaven, we'd say immediately, you're not going to be friends with them anymore. This is the end of it. It almost cost me my oldest daughter to make that stand. I was afraid because she was dating some guy that had no future and lives on the side of a mountain somewhere smoking pot today. But I made the decision as I had to drag her home. You're not going to hang out with that. You can't do that. You're a child of God, I thought. And in our home, we don't do those kind of things. I made my stand. Melanie made her stand. And the very next Sunday morning, Amy got saved when we thought she already was. You have the responsibility. You look at your children. Just turn and look at them, Paris. Just a minute. Look at your children. They are your pride and joy. They are the fruit of who you are. You love them. You lay your life down for them. Why would you foolishly let them choose to be friends with someone that's going to drag them down a path that will be for destruction and will ruin their lives and lead them in a way they'll never become what they ought to be in Christ Jesus and what you've raised them to become? You do have a responsibility. Some friends give poor counsel. Amna's friend was a mature man. Jonadab was older than Amnon. Jonadab was a mature man. Surely Jonadab would give wise counsel to Amnon. Jonadab wasn't interested in having Amnon remain pure. Jonadab counseled Amnon to fulfill the lust of his flesh when he should have been helping him control the lust of his flesh. Jonadab should and could have spoken a word of caution, but he spoke a message of perversion. Amnon had a friend. We need friends. We really need friends. I'm thankful for the friends that I have. Many of you are my friends. I'm thankful for that. But friends encourage us to do the right thing. We need the kind of friends who will pray for us. We have the kind of friends who will remind us who, of who we are and who we're to serve and how we're to live, to do what the Bible says do. We need friends who will act like good Christian people ought to act day in and day out and influence our lives in such a way. We need the right kind of friends. We need the right kind of influence. That's one of the reasons we need the church. You ought to be here every Sunday. 
Every member of the Dalreda Baptist Church ought to fill this house every Sunday because the Word of God says we're to surround ourselves with Christian brothers and sisters. We're to fellowship one with another. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man, another man's spirit, and so it is with the women. And we understand that the Word of God says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? We need godly friends. We need godly influence. We need prayers of godly people. We need the love of God's people. We come to this fellowship with those of faith. We come to share and to love Jesus and to love one another. He's your right friend. He's your best friends. Graduates, you have a lot of choices ahead of you. You've obviously made some good choices already. We're very thankful for who you are and the choices you've made. But let this message be a word of warning this morning. Heed its warning. Satan wants to trap you. He wants to lead you away from God's perfect, wonderful, glorious will for your life. He has a plan. He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he knows what he wants to do for you. He says, I want to bless you. He wants to do more than just meet your needs. Listen, you can work at Sam's and have your needs met by groceries being bought and a car to drive and, well, you used to could afford gas on it. But, but God says he'll give you everything you need. How can two walk together, the scripture said, unless they agree? You need to always look for people who agree with God for your life. Now, they'll have their own opinion about some things. I'm not talking about what you study. I'm not talking about what you pursue as a course for the rest of your life, your profession. God will direct that. But you choose people that you know in your heart have a heart for God and a heart for you to do the right thing always. My prayer for you you two guys, that you become men that other men look up to. That you become men that when another man gets in trouble, he'll seek your counsel because you walk in an upright way and he sees the power of God working in your life.
you three beautiful girls, young women, adorable, sweeter than sugar, and prettier than the daylily. Seek the kind of friend that's going to help you grow. Help you grow in your faith. Help you grow in your walk. And that will give you wise counsel in every day of your life. And when the five of you decide it's time to maybe look around for a mate, can I tell you, you won't be looking around. It'll hit you just like that, all right? When God leads you to that mate, you make sure you're looking for the kind of person that the two of you can walk with Jesus. So that when you have stinkaroos like the five of you, that you'll raise them to be men and women after God's heart. Godspeed to you. This pastor loves you. I'm older than dirt, but I love you. This church loves you. Some of them are stubborn as the day is long, but they love you. I said that with tongue in cheek. They love you. And we pray for your life to be not only an example, but to be lived in a way where God can richly bless you. And the years to come will go, I knew it. I knew they had it in them. And God will do great things in your life. Let's pray together. Father, an unusual but hard word today. But I trust you that it's a needed word. Lord, there might not be a one of the five sitting here that needed that word, but somebody in this place you planted here today and laid this message on this preacher's heart. I pray for you to use it. Lord, let your word not return void. Let it accomplish that you send it out to accomplish. And I pray for that in this very room, this very day, that your word will accomplish what you mean for it to accomplish. Have your way. And may folks leave here decidedly to live for Jesus. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.